That was Marion Pope and Sarah Joy Miller performing Act 3, Cyrano Duet, or Roxanne Adieu, from David DiChiara's opera Cyrano. They play the lead roles in the upcoming production of Cyrano at the Michigan Opera Theater, which opens this weekend. DiChiara is the MOT's founder and director. He is retiring at the end of this season, and his opera Cyrano will help close out his esteemed career at the Opera House. The company will also put on a Grand Salute concert honoring DiChiara on May 19th, the Friday before Cyrano's final weekend. I spoke with DiChiara earlier this week about the performance, about his inspiration for creating Cyrano, and his career. He tells me he founded the Michigan Opera Theater without much money or fanfare. Well, it was nearly half a century ago, which is, sounds so long, doesn't it? A half a century. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, during the 60s, I was... Uh, promoting opera, I was at the uh, Oakland University at the time, by doing scenes from operas, and I would tour them all <laughs> through the state, you know, and and introduce them, you know, a lot like a, a la Bernstein. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I made a lot of friends for opera that way, and it seemed as if the time had come that we should have our own opera company. So in 1971... Uh, I found the theater. It was the music hall that had been closed for a long while. Yes. Beautiful little theater. And uh, I said, well, this is where we should launch an opera company. And uh, so we had our first season there. Uh Very modest. I remember that budget of $80,000. Wow. (laughs) Uh, And we did uh, Joseph and his many Technicolor dream coat. Remember that? One of that is one of my favorite productions. Yeah, well, I love that story. I did that, and then I did an opera by Puccini that was never done called La Rondine. Okay, and um, so that was the first the season. Yeah, and and what was the reception in Detroit to the emergence of of opera again? I mean, it's not as if we never had opera before, uh, but but bringing it back. Well, I think there are a lot of people who were kind of excited because um, <clears throat> there are many who did, you know, who were familiar with opera, and then others who, by presenting it, uh, were curious to see whether this was an art form that they would uh, relate to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I took scenes everywhere. I took them into schools. I loved doing uh, programs of opera scenes in the schools, in community centers, mm-hmm. I mean, we were like you know the traveling salesman, <laughs> and uh, so. Uh, but in '71, this theater, you know, looked like a good place to really s- settle there and uh, develop uh, from there, and yeah. have an opera company. Yeah, and uh, so I was in the music hall for 25 years until. Until the restoration of until the, the restoration of what is now the opera house. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, uh, and that restoration, uh, I can remember one of the first times I was in it after it was after it was restored, and coming out, uh, it was a different neighborhood then. I mean, you guys were among the first to, there was to really, there. Yeah, yeah, there was nothing there. Uh, Comerica Park wasn't there. <laughs> Ford Field, those yeah, are your neighbors now. Right, Neither right. of them was built. Uh, there weren't 
as many you know restaurants and and shops right. and other things downtown uh you you were sort of pioneers in this idea of of taking an old downtown building and giving it new life and giving it new life because um well i mean even when i started it, when i opened the music hall which had been closed in 71 you recall that was 4 years after the riots right so there were a lot of people who felt that coming into the city was not a something that was that they would do yeah. you know why are you doing a that harder there? sell for sure right why aren't you doing with something like this in the suburbs you know and i said no <laughs> this this belongs the culture should be focused in the city and uh, so um I, I was very adamant about that and and people did come yeah. because they were interested and in, you know there was no opera company and uh uh, it was an opportunity, and and we d did a lot of going into the schools and, and bringing students uh, into the uh, theater itself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it wasn't until twenty five years later then that we took the old Capitol Theater and uh, you know transformed it into an opera house, yeah, which yeah. is our current home. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is David DiChiara, the founder of the Michigan Opera Theater. He is retiring at the end of this season. And as a farewell, the theater is staging a production of an opera he created, Cyrano. Uh, they are debuting that uh, this Saturday at 730. Uh, David, let's talk about your your opera Cyrano. Uh, this is also one of my favorite stories. Uh, it's a beautiful story. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, uh, well, I actually was brought to it by our librettist and, and stage director, Bernard Ouzon, who said to me, you know, I've heard some of your music and I think your music should lend itself to what is one of my favorite stories. And so um, I said, well, I, of course, know the story about the man with the big nose, yes. but I don't know a lot about it. So he came over to the house one time, and he's an actor as well as a, uh, you know, a director, and he just kind of acted through the whole <laughs> thing, you know. And uh, it's, it's such a beautiful story, and yeah. it's so heartbreaking at the end that I just couldn't resist yeah. Uh, giving the it, tragedy uh, yeah. pull of opera, right? Yes, right, right. <laughs> and just giving it a musical interpretation, yeah. you know. And so, uh, um, and I don't, I'm not sure that uh, even people who are familiar with the Michigan Opera Theater know that you're a, a musician and a, a creator of, of music, and you created a lot of music yes, before. Yes, I have, and. Uh, you know, I, when I was at UCLA, I studied uh, composition, and then I went to Europe and studied s'more. And uh, so uh, creating for me is very, very important. It's almost kind of like a, something that you have to do, even if sometimes if you don't feel like right. it. Right, right. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I got to work on that. Well, what's it like when you see these things that you've created on stage. I, I, uh, I am a huge fan of the musical Hamilton, uh, as, uh, which does not put me in any sort of rare company. Uh, but, but, but I <laughs> right. saw it. I, I've seen it twice uh, in New York yes. with the original cast, including uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, yes. who plays the lead plays role. role. And there is a quality 
uh, to watching him sort of in the middle of this thing he created uh, that right. that's different from from watching somebody else in it. And I would imagine that watching your own creation on stage would would give you that same. Well, it does give of, me that feeling. Of course, I can't go as far as he does. I don't. I would not perform. <laughs> you could not play operas. the lead in this. Right, right. <laughs> I think maybe it's because my music is a little too challenging for anybody like myself <laughs> right. to, to perform. But uh, <laughs> uh, but it's certainly exciting to hear it performed. <clears throat> you know, we've been in rehearsal now for Cyrano, and I'm sitting there, and and uh, it's, it's it's an amazing feeling that uh, what the music that comes out of your mind is suddenly now on stage being, you know, sung by very talented singers. Yeah. That's, that's very exciting. Uh, and uh, although I must say when it was premiered 10 years ago, I was terrified. Is that right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just was, did, you, did you fear that it just people would right, not? Right, that I thought, oh, my God, you know. And so, <laughs> and even during the, the opening performance, I couldn't sit in the audience. I was hidden behind Is the that stage, right? You know, <laughs> and then you come out and yeah. hear the applause. Yeah, the right. And you say, oh, well, okay. Maybe, I, think I'd, I think I'd pulled this maybe off. Maybe they thought this was all right. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but it's such a beautiful story. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I found it. I, what, I found, what I loved about the story of Cyrano was something that I think all of us as individuals experience, and that is Cyrano had in his exterior life. You know, he was a poet, he was a swordsman, he yeah. was all of those things. And then he had that interior life that was very personal and that he couldn't really express. And, sure. You know, I, I, that really uh, appealed to me to try to put into music these two diverse you know, feelings that an individual can have. Yeah, that, that outward, conflict almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then the inward life. And so that, that's what really drew me to uh, yeah. making an opera out of Cyrano. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is David DiChiera, uh, the founder of the Michigan Opera Theater. He's retiring at the end of this season. And as a farewell, the theater is staging a production of an opera that he created called Cyrano. It deb debuts this Saturday at uh, 730. Uh, you know, talking about that, that conflict in Cyrano's life, uh, really it's defined, I think, as tension, uh, the, the, the tension of the narrative. And that's really important in writing, in any sort of uh, literature or, or, or story. You've got to identify what right. that tension is. That's what propels the story along. Uh, and, and it's also no stranger to, to music and, and, and opera. But talk about the ways that you use the music to reflect that tension. I mean, I, I would imagine that's another tool that yeah, as a writer, absolutely. I wouldn't have. Yeah, absolutely. For example, the first five minutes of the opera, which is the orchestral prelude, uh, reflected that immediately. Yeah. The, the, the prelude starts with this very, uh, you know, outgoing, exciting music, which was, for me, his... His exterior, his exterior, sure. And then suddenly the strings come in and with some very uh, lyric, almost kind of sad 
music. And so I juxtaposed immediately the two parts of Cyrano's personality. Yeah. And, uh, and tried to develop that through, you know, throughout the opera in, in one way or another. Uh, I mean, you know, it's such a beautiful love story. I mean, his <laughs> love for Roxanne, mm -hmm. and because of his physical appearance, he felt that he could never be loved. Right. Uh, and, uh, and of course, what was so interesting, and he constantly wrote letters for the young, handsome person who, you know, who she thought she would have loved. And uh, and so the idea was, uh, you know, as the as the story progresses, she really fell in love with the letters, with the letters, not right? with this handsome with the other guy, yeah. you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so it, it it became an interesting thing where what is that the people actually fall in love with? Is it because somebody's devastatingly handsome, or because there is an interior? you know, life about that person, yeah. which is very special. Yeah. And that was what, for me, what Cyrano is, is all about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, the, the op, this is the, the final, uh, uh, production of this opera season. Uh, talk about, talk about where the opera theater is as you, as you leave, your baby yeah, <laughs> behind my, my I, you child. Know, right, that's right. right. It's all yeah. grown up now, right? It is a grown up <laughs> child, and it's going to be very, do very well without me, and is going to continue to develop. And uh, I've been excited to see uh, how, uh, you know, it has uh, evolved. And of course, excited that this opera company can have its own house. Yes. Right, and, and that was something that I felt that I had to do before, uh, before retiring. And, it puts uh, it on firmer ground, it does, without question. You know, right? It's uh, you know, and I must say, I think it's a beautiful house. Our acoustics are are magnificent, and uh, so you know that the opera company and the opera house can uh, live in uh, harmony for m many decades to come is is what for me was my legacy to, yeah. uh, for the opera company's future. Well, what about the future of opera? I mean, that, that's always something that I think people discuss as not necessarily secure. Are we, are we growing opera fans the way that we I should? I think what is happening in, with opera is that it is an opera for, uh, form that evolves. There's a lot happening in uh, new operas, and and they take the form form of many many kind of styles, and that's what I find really interesting too. Is that um, some years ago, it was considered that legitimate classical music would always be, and this came out of the academic world, <laughs> would always be either. Um, you know, electronic or, uh, you know, not huh. not romantic, not anything. But um, in the late 70s and early 80s, I became president of Opera America, and I used my bully pulpit mm -hmm. to really uh, kind of encourage composers and opera companies to look at many styles, particularly in what their community, if it was a Latino community, encourage a composer who is Latino to write an opera 
that uses that style, that there's no style which is more legitimate than another. Right. And so I believe that that has, over the years, given composers the opportunity to say, I can write music and opera in any way I feel. It could be neo-romantic, it could be neo-baroque or neo-classic, or all of those things. Everything is legitimate if it supports the story. Right, right. And uh, that's the way I feel about the art form. It has so many possibilities, so many ramifications. There's no one style that has more legitimacy than another. Yeah, and, because uh, it's ultimately about that narrative. It's the narrative, right. And so composers should feel empowered to write an opera in whatever way. I felt that way about Cyrano. I wrote a very romantic opera, mm -hmm. which for me was because of a very romantic story. And so, uh, uh, you know, I was very adamant in terms of even when I was heading up Opera America that composers needed to feel free, that they should not be committed. Academia was one of the one of the problems uh -huh, uh -huh. because academia had a certain group of composers that was all about being, you know, very almost non, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it was, uh, if it wasn't, uh, you know, electronic, yeah. it was often sometimes non, uh, you know, romantic or whatever. <laughs> all of it is valid, but don't put, you know, don't put uh, fences around and sure. say, oh, this should be this or that. It should be however a composer feels he can express his emotions yeah, yeah. and the emotions of the story. Well, I mean, that's a that's a problem, I think, that, that <clears throat> goes beyond the sphere of opera. I mean, uh, uh, this idea of the limitations of art uh, or the artificial limitations of art, I think that's one of the things that is making it difficult for lots of different art forms to sort of survive and find their new space. Absolutely. I mean, people get to the point where, and I think academia is often responsible for that, um, that, you know, oh, it should be, if it's visual. It's got to be like this. It's got to be, this is where it is. Well, you know, where things are is often outdated within 10 or 20 years mm -hmm. anyhow. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make any difference, you know. So much art now kind of goes back to other styles, as I say, neo-Baroque, yeah, yeah. neo-romantic. <laughs> you know, they're all valid. And uh, it's a mistake to put limitations as to how one expresses their yeah. uh, artistic, you know, creativity. That was Michigan Opera Theater founder and director David DiChiara talking to me earlier this week about his career and the MOT's upcoming production, of Cyrano, an opera he wrote and composed himself. It opens this weekend and will close out both the MOT season and Di Chiara's career. He's retiring after more than four decades running the opera company. The MOT will also put on a Grand Salute concert honoring Di Chiara on May 19th, the Friday before Cyrano's final 
weekend. All right, next week on the program, we're going to talk about the future of Planned Parenthood and Roe v. Wade with Bob Sedler, a law professor at Wayne State University. Also, on the media host, Brooke Gladstone will join us to talk about her new book. And on Friday, we'll have Republican strategist John Truscott in studio to help me wrap up the news. Also, always remember, if you missed some of today's show, you can always hear the entire thing on the Detroit Today podcast. Go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. You can download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and you can listen to the conversations you really value here whenever or wherever you choose to do that. All right. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. The program director is Joan Isabella. Associate producers are Aaron Allen, Eddie Wallace, and Gus Navarro. And the Detroit Today theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back on Monday. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. See you next week.